welcome back to another episode of We Are These Guys Now. My name is Kenneth. You can follow me at underscore Mr. Clark on Instagram. And he, my name's Ben. You can follow me on all the socials at Ben Mueller915. You can also follow our main We Are These Guys Now page at We Are These Guys Now on Instagram. We still haven't started our TikTok. We're going to have to start our TikTok. Eventually, we got to start dropping these sound bites. But you can also check out our website, www.wearetheseguysnow.com, for all of our merch, bios, all that fun information. Today, we have a special guest on our show, Miss Sabotage Sweetie, Twitch streamer, Instagram personality. Amazing bartender. If you've ever gone to Casa at Tempe, only on the weekends, you may eventually get a drink from her. It's going to be putting you on the floor, definitely. Allie, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, guys. How are you? Thank you guys so much for having me on the show. As you guys said, my name is Sabotage Sweetie, or you guys could call me Allie, whatever's easier. Um, it's Sabotage Sweetie on all platforms, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitch. Um, thank you so much again for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course, of course. I had the pleasure of uh, watching the Bucks and Nets game as the Bucks destroyed the Nets. And by destroyed, I mean uh, Kevin Durant's big fat foot couldn't seal, didn't feel like sending the game home. And while I was there, was able to meet Allie, got to talking for a little bit, and was able to hear tidbits of an incredible story I had to invite her onto the show, immediately reached out to Ben. He said it was a great idea as well. And so that's how we got her on. The topic for today is really going to be a variety, but we're going to start with um, not many of you people that listen know, but I have always wanted to, or eventually will, uh, eventually want to adopt. Not, you know, for the sake of like, oh, Kenneth, you don't want to have kids, but like, no, I just... I feel like there's already a lot of kids in the world. <laughs> so it'd be really cool to, you know, go out there and, you know, hopefully provide them with a nice home if they don't already have the opportunity to. When I got to talk to Allie for a bit, she did and was so gracious enough to let a complete stranger at the time know that uh, she was adopted. And she has such a great story for, you know, what had occurred. I definitely would like to... You know, have you explained to our listeners a little bit of what you're comfortable with, of course, and yeah. then, you know, we'll just ask some questions, have a good time. All right. That's perfect. Um, so basically, just to start this out, um, I was working, I believe it was either what, a Friday. I'm pretty sure it's a Friday, right? You came it into was Casa? Sa- it was Saturday. It was a Saturday? Saturday? Okay. It was a Saturday. So it was Saturday. Um, I was just getting on the clock nine o'clock, you know, clocked in kind of slow enough to, for me to be able to like speak to the people that were at the bar. I had the pleasure of getting to know, um, Kenneth and I almost called you Ben cause I'm staring at Ben's name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, Kenneth and he, I, it was, it was so hot that day. Like I was like, let me just like roll up my shirt a little bit cause I'm, I'm dying over here. So then I rolled my shirt up and I have a tattoo on my left side closest to my heart. Um, he, asked me about my tattoo and he asked if it was like painful or whatever and I was like oh no I mean yeah kind of but not really like I didn't think anything of it because I was going through so much like emotional pain that it was nothing to me to get a tattoo it was my second tattoo as well and um, he asked me what it meant and what it said Um, I told him it was my last name and the day I got adopted I got adopted when I was 14 Um, I was in the system when I was eight so that's when I first got CPS called on my family and I. Um, I came. I grew up with my biological parents. Um, we moved around a lot. Um, my like latest memory I have of them is definitely like like when I was living with them was uh, we lived in a, a trailer park. It's burnt. It's like torn down and rebuilt and stuff now. Where it was, it was like on 48th Street and Baseline. And there's some funny like there's some funny stories. I'm the oldest sibling. I'm now 27. So, uh, I don't know. There's some interesting stories. I used to, like, you know, chase my parents down the road, like, when they would drive away, or I would run the streets barefoot. There was one time I um, took my brothers and sisters 
out like on our bikes and everything and there's a canal right there and um they they were not coming home and i wanted them to come home and i was young okay mind you i was like eight or nine years old and they weren't coming home so i was like whatever i'll just race you guys home i have three younger siblings i have two brothers and a sister and they're all biological um so i got home probably 30 minutes goes by my biological parents asked me like yo where's your brothers and sisters and i was like i don't know i raced them home and so they called the police, obviously, because my, my family, like, my siblings were missing. And they found them by the canal. And they were younger, like, way young. Like, mind you, my brother was probably, mm, let's see, right now he's 20, 20, and I'm 27. So he's seven years younger than me, and he was the youngest. So they were all by the canal and everything. So you just see them roll up in the back of a cop car. And they're, they're just crying and crying, and I got in so much trouble. But, um, so that, that gives you an idea of, like, what kind of household I was living in. Like, it wasn't the safest household. I barely, like, it was so hard for me to go to school. I hated going to school. Like, my papa used, my, my papa raised me when I was living with my biological parents. So, like, he was a huge part of my life. And I wish everyone in the whole wide world w was able to meet him. Like, he, he's always wanted the best for me. And he, like... I think I'm partially strong because of him because he, I don't know, he kind of just kept me straight and narrow. I always, like, he always took me to and from school. Like, I would get ice cream after school. It, it was pretty cool. We had a good relationship. Um, there came a time where, like, my grandma started coming around. My grandmother and my mother, my biological mother and my grand biological grandmother did not get along growing up. I She only had one child, and she was married, and then... Uh, you know, they split up. My grandma became lesbian, and then she was with the same woman for the rest women, woman for the rest of her like life. And so, my grandma would bring us groceries, like you know, to be able to like feed us, to make sure we had food on the table. She would come every weekend, and it got to the point where uh, I was too young to realize, you know, what my grandma was doing for our lives. So I I grew to despise my grandma. But it got to the point where her and my papa thought, you know, this is ridiculous. This is this is not a safe environment for these children. Um, people were in and out of the house, like, constantly. Like, it, it was bad. I probably had lice, like, I, more than my fingers can count. Like, that's how bad it was. Oh. And um, so my grandmother and my papa, they proceeded to call CPS. My grandma t took all four of us in. During her, during the time that I was living with my grandma, um, I was probably nine, nine, ten, eleven. I lived with her for about three and a half years, and um, she was going to school for her master's in nursing. And she was a busy, a strong woman. Like my grandma was, you know, work, 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 work. Like get your money, get your money, get your money. Take care of yourself. Like that type of woman. And so. Um, we, my parents got clean well they went through like the the recovery thingy where like you know cps was able to track them and they, they were able to fill out like all of the papers correctly they got everything checked at home checked off so we were able to move back home uh, we were there for probably eight maybe eight months to a year not that long and then cps my grandma called cps again and then at that time that we got called cps on i was at school so when i got picked up from school there was like SWAT and police cars and like obviously like the social workers and stuff like that and I just remember I I was in science class and I was in like fifth grade and I heal I brought my Heelys to school that day and I popped you know like I had a spoon because I lost a little Heely remover so you had to use like a spoon or something to get the Heelys out you know oh yeah so I remember yeah. popping them out and then the phone ringing in the classroom and um the teacher picked it up and then, like, I mean, I, I'm nosy, so I looked up at the same time she looked at me. And then she hung up the phone, and she told me, she was like, you need to go to the office. So I just, you know, popped my Heelys back in, went to the office. Um, and then... <clears throat> okay, and then... Um,
went back to the house to get, um, hold on. <laughs> back to the house and the social worker was like okay pick out the clothes that you like the most and that you want to bring with you um just pack for a couple days you'll be okay so i didn't i didn't know what the hell was going on i didn't see my brothers and sisters like other than me just going back and picking up my like i didn't see them at all i had no idea where they were so then um i got the stuff that i wanted and then okay so before i went to school that day my biological mom she told me she was like hey you may not come home today and i i I understood what that meant because like we already got taken away once you know but she knew that it was gonna happen and she told me she's like you may not come back home today so then um we ended up like i think it's downtown I, i was i'm too i was too young to remember i don't i just remember it was like there was a lot of tall buildings so i'm assuming it was downtown and then we went up like 20 stories and then we went into this like room um, with like a bunch of toys and like coloring books and stuff like that. And we just sat there and then my brothers and sisters came and then um, we were all able to be together. And then. Wow. Allie, if before you even continue, I feel inclined to say that this is already an amazing, incredible thing that you were able to, you know, that you're even able to tell us about right now. And it's, I can't, I can't personally, you know, imagine having to go through something so like that so i i don't i've come to closure like within my own mind about this stuff but like yeah like actually speaking about it out loud it's hard yeah no i i like i said i can only i can only imagine you know we appreciate you taking the time to even you know walk us through like i said it's i i couldn't even imagine going through you know something along those lines and then actually you know talking about big moments in life it's it can be it can it can be a lot to like you know relive it in order to tell someone else anytime i talk to someone about you know battling cancer it's not you know it never really gets a lot easier to talk about that yeah. stuff but it's you know it's part of the story and i'm sorry i, didn't, I definitely didn't mean to cut you off just because oh, no you're totally fine but, it allowed me to calm down you're good yeah, no, it's... Um, yeah. yeah, so then it got to the point where we were all up there, like, um, we said our goodbyes to each other because we weren't able to go to the same place, and my brothers were young enough to get put into a foster home, so the time that we were in that office um, was the time that the social workers, I'm assuming, were able to find places for us to go. Because we were there probably for, like, four hours, five hours. So I think they were finding, like, a place for us to go. So then within that time frame, my brothers, we said our goodbyes to our brothers. They left, and then Amber and I stayed. Well, my brothers got put into a foster home, which is good for them. But we had to get separated because no one wants, in in this, like, in this system, um, families typically want younger children just in case they were up if they end up for being like put up for adoption because they don't want these kids to be able to remember what they've been through because then it just leads for more problems in the future so the younger children always get adopted first mm-hmm. and so it was easy for them to find um, foster home a foster home for my two brothers so then my sister and I went to um, shelters because nobody wanted us so then we went to um, a shelter where we were both together at the same time. And then um, I, we were there probably for about a year. And then I turned 13. And when I turned 13, I had to go to a separate home other like, other than with my sister because she was too young. So I had to go to, like, to the teenage home, you know? So mm-hmm. then we got separated. And then... Um, 
I, I had a court date. And when you're 13 in the court system, they allow you to make your own decisions. And so when I went, I asked for one thing and I, I wanted my sister to move into the house that I was in. I was like, I don't care how old she is. Like she can stay in my room. Like I just want her with me. I already got everyone else taken away. And so they did, they, they granted it and they allowed her to move with me. Well then, um, I try to be a smart ass and I AWOLed with my sister. So I planned like this huge, like I, I knew where the, I, we would ride, ride in a bus to like places around, like to go get food or we would ride as a group to go and like go to the mall or go do activities. So I knew there was a circle K right on the corner of where we were. Cause like when you're in a shelter, like all the windows are blacked out. Um, you can't go outside in, unless it's in the backyard and you're supervised because it's all about protection and safety, which I understand, but it, I don't know, I got sick of it. And so I left with my sister and we, I put her in a bush and then I used the payphone and I dialed my biological mom's phone number. Oh no, the police were there so fast. They took us back to the house. I got in trouble. I got like written up, but that was about it. And then, um, from there, my brothers were in the foster home and then the foster parents that were taking care of my brothers they wanted they wanted us to be with my brothers so they allowed us to move there so then all of us were living with the same foster parents and then we those foster parents like something happened with their marriage so like you have to have like a hap, like a healthy home environment for you to be a foster parent and so, like, since they were going through their own mess, like, when CPS came and checked, that's when we were, like, they were like, okay, no, we have to move you guys to another home. So then we moved to another home, and then this home was, was stable. All four of us were, were together. Everything was cool and dandy until um, the foster home only wanted me. They only wanted to adopt me and not my other siblings. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm not leaving my siblings. So then um, something happened like in the background. Are you guys good? Yeah, no, we're good. Um, it, it muted. Um, so something happened in the background of like my adopted parents and then their brothers and sisters and my aunts and uncles that I've. So I met my adopted parents when I was like one. Of course, I don't remember, but they remember. Like they knew who I was. There was no other kids like born yet or anything. And. Um, so they knew who like we were and like my adopted dad is technically my first cousin. We have the same grandpa because my biological dad and my adopted dad, um, my biological dad is my adopted dad's uncle. It's, it's oh, wow. yeah. So there's like a, tr there's no incest. It sounds like there is, but there's not. If I were to draw a tree out, then you would understand, but it's, it's weird. And so, um, so I guess all of them were fighting for the four of us. And so I'm assuming it was the social workers that reached out to them looking for a home for all four of us. And then um, my adoptive parents now, they they won like, so they want like my dad's brothers and my dad's like, uh, and then like my aunts and uncles, they, they wanted only two of us or they were gonna separate us. But my adopted dad was like, no, we'll take all four of them. And they already had four kids of their own, which were my second cousins. And so um, when I was 14, like going into high school, I was about to go, it was summer, about to go into high school. So 2008, 2009, mm -hmm. 2009, it was 2009 summer. And like, like probably like, like right before school is about to start. So like July, August. Um, we met them in a parking lot for Peter Piper pizzas and we like got to hang out with them. And then my brother found like $600 or $700 on the floor in the parking lot. And it was just like a, I don't know, it was weird. So then they all, the, the parents took us, um, like, cl like school clothes shopping and all of that stuff with the money that my brother found on the ground. And then we got to see like their house and everything. And then, um, we got officially adopted January 26th of 2010. Wow. By them. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. That, that, I took the word right out of my mouth. So we then became a family of 10. 
and I'm now they have their four kids and then I have me and my siblings and then um, all together I'm the oldest and then the youngest so I'm 27 and the youngest is 16 Wow well I said it before and I'll say it again Ellen even from the little bit that I you know was able to catch at the bar to hearing the you know more thorough detailed story that you have laid out for us today that is one incredible at that you know I mean because you're because you, you're already you know great person from different conversations that we've had but to have gone through you know all of that and you know be here able to talk to us today uh yeah I think I speak for both of us where it's this is a great privilege to be able to you know have you on and you know a lot yeah, of people don't to... um, that go through this kind of stuff. To be honest, I couldn't tell you why I, I why I am so strong. Because a lot of people would not be able to make it through, like what I've been through. So, it's kind of yeah. cool. No, it's super cool. It, it's it's really cool. Uh, I. Yeah, and if you don't mind, I you know my very first question that I do have is um, uh, just in regards to the the uh, shelter that you're in. You yeah. said that it was uh, they had like blacked out windows. You're only allowed to play in the backyard. Yeah. So when you when you walk up to the front door, no one knows where this house is. Um, this house is a very like normal house in a, in a neighborhood that it it just looks normal, and then you walk mm -hmm. up to the front door like you can tell that you can't look inside. The blinds look closed from the outside. Um, when you get inside, uh, it's like there's like gates in the doorways. Um, the kitchen is off limits. Only like the caregivers are allowed in the kitchens. Um, if you wanted to go, say, from the living room to the bathroom, you would have to stand in the doorway and say, pass, pass from the living room to the bathroom. And if no one answered you, you'd have to be like, pass from the living room to the bathroom. And you have to get an okay for you to be able to go from one area to another area in the house. Um... When you couldn't go into your bedroom and just sit in your bedroom by yourself, you've always, you always had to do something that was productive. Um, you were only allowed to eat when everyone else was eating, and there was a very, like, you knew what time you were, you were going to eat. It was very structured. Um, so it's like, I don't know. I mean, wow. I, I understand there's only, like, two or three caregivers per 12 girls or 12 people in the house, which the house that I was in was all girls. The house before mm -hmm. it was guys and, or boys and girls so and all the all the rules and um like so the black one knows is that for safety of the children that are there of the children yeah because okay. they don't want like parents like so like there was times where i got visitation times with my parents and they don't want your parents to like follow you back and peep through the windows it's just a safety thing for the children because mm. yeah i might have had it bad but there's probably children in there that had it way worse than me you know, like, you, okay. and then like for clothing, like for clothing, um, there would be like bins in a closet and you would go into the bin. Well, first you would have your own clothing with all of your names on it. If you didn't have anything to wear, then there was old clothing that, that the daycare or whatever the shelter had for yourself. And then you would go for, for like the kids that don't, don't have clothes and you would go to the closet and they'd have bins like and then the bins would have sizes on it and then you would it would tell you like whether it's like socks or shirts or pants and you would just go in there and choose an outfit that was your size and then if you would look at the tag the tag would have the shelter's name on it okay. i couldn't even tell you the shelter's name i don't remember but i remember wow. what i can okay so i don't it's like on union hills and something I just remember I, when I lived in my old apartment, I would drive by this neighborhood, and this neighborhood would always give me, like, a flashback. And I would look in the backyard driving by over the fence, and it had the same playground. So I'm pretty sure it was the house, like, the shelter that I lived in, but I couldn't. I, it's kind of blurry to me, but it, I don't know. I, every time I passed by that one house, I was like, that house looks like the house I lived in. Yeah. It's kind of cool, I guess. 
in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can see the, I can see the, you know, desire to protect the children as much as possible, but I, don't, I mean, I don't know. There's, I mean, I don't, I don't know There's about some you, crazy Ben, parents but parents out there. There's some like you know people that are addicted to drugs and. Yeah. There's, I understand protecting the children. I get it. Like, and I get the supervised visits and all of that. It didn't really bother me. What bothered me was having to say pass to go to the bathroom. To I was just gonna say. Legs, yeah, like to shave your legs, you had to be watched. Like you can't weren't, weren't given a razor just to give a, like to get a razor. Like it. It seems so like on, and I I know there's probably a better word for it, but it it seems so dehumanizing for someone who's already gone through a situation that is placing the involuntarily like in in like and I I don't want to draw this comparison but like in jail when we are watching people that closely it is because these people have done something or designated themselves as you know criminals or or they've done something illegal that warrants us watching them these people are like the subject of something that has happened and you would think where I know that you know protection is one thing but I don't know magic wand yeah like it it makes you feel like you're a prisoner and I'm I'm, again I'm only speaking from hearing your story I've never experienced it myself but you know if you know magic wand if there was anything about that situation that could be fixed it's definitely just from hearing what you said allowing kids to be kids yeah if i wanted i don't know i was young like i maybe it's different now i i couldn't tell you because back then it was it was fine for me like i it 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 it, it is what it is you know yeah it, it, that, that like <laughs> that's our motto it, it's like yeah like now thinking about it it's like damn that sucks that sucks to have to stand in a doorway to be able to be like pass like yo I don't need to tell you that I need to go to the bathroom but mind you I'm 13 years older now with mm-hmm. how much experience and more wisdom so yeah. back then it, I don't know you know it's all that you knew at yeah. that time and you know it's not like you want to go to the bathroom like we all at some point have to go to the bathroom yeah and so for that to be a part of the process that's Man, that was, yeah, that, that was, that was just my first question. That was just my first question because as soon as you brought up that type of environment, all I could think of was now you are an incredibly sociable person, you know, easy to talk to and we're gracious enough to join two people on a podcast. And, but I, I can't imagine being in that type of situation and then, you know, even, even after, if you know, if you know, somebody did, you know, was able to get adopted, like in your situation, um, yeah, but maybe not as many kids around. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think there's anything I would have changed. I don't regret anything. I think that I've built up a lot of uh, hate. Built up a lot of hate. sounds like a system definitely deserves some looking into as far as I still hate counseling like I'm scarred like I hate like all the counseling I did back then because you're forced to it just sucks and then like I built a lot of hate up for like my grandma like like I didn't know back then why she took me away from my parents all I knew is that she took me away from my parents and I thought she was the biggest bitch for doing that I hated her so much. Yeah, because that's all. That's all. That's all you knew. Um, yeah. I, I, I have my, my, my first question is, and um, yeah, the story's incredible. Uh, my first question is, 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 um, you know, because like Kenny said, you're an extremely sociable and powerful person uh, today. I guess, and you said you're not a fan of counseling. I guess, how have you become the the person that you've become today? Um, you know, through your past experiences, becoming this Twitch streamer and I said social media kind of personality, um, I guess how how have you become this powerful, strong uh, uh, person? Oh, that right there is a very tough question because my I myself sometimes I just want to sit down and cry. 
know if I do that, it's not going to get me anywhere and the world's going to keep spinning. I think having all my brothers and sisters watching me pushed me to be strong too. And you, um, and no, and you no, don't, no, no, you don't I, have to I answer, want to answer it. it. I just don't yeah. know if I even have an answer for it. Mm -hmm. And that's because, mm -hmm. like, I couldn't even tell you why I am the way that I am. And I yeah, have my it's... own issues. I'm definitely not perfect whatsoever. I have. So what this has caused me, I could tell you. So I got adopted, right? Adopted when I was 14. Super stable. Great environment. Lots, I was always friends with my brothers and sisters. I mean, I made friends at school, too. Mind you, I started high school not knowing anybody. Like, I went into high school, new face, while ever, in a community that everyone has been going to school together since elementary school. Mm. So, I, like, it's the Anthem. I don't know if you guys know what Anthem is. Anthem is a, up north. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. have elementary schools, middle schools, and then they have the high school up there. So yep. no matter how long you live up there, you know everybody. Everybody knows everybody. So like when we moved, when we got adopted, um, my adopted parents were living in a cul-de-sac. And then in their cul-de-sac, they had their best friends. And then they also had my uncle and his kids. So like it was always like a, my family has been always family oriented and, and put together. So I was stable for four years. With, and, and then I decided to move out on my own. What what brought it upon me that I wanted to move out as soon as I turned 18? I have no clue. Um, but I did it. And me, I just, I feel like I've always had like a strong head on my shoulders. I feel like that I don't like getting in trouble. I despise getting in trouble. Um, what, what I've been through with my biological parents um, I have gained abandonment, neglect, um, codependency issues. I have gained separation anxiety. And it didn't start really hitting me until after I moved out. And I wouldn't, like, I would never, um, I love my or my adopted parents. I love them so much. But I don't think they will, like, they probably know how I feel. But they don't really truly know how I feel because I've never voiced this kind of stuff to them. So, like, I don't know. I think I'm strong because I just, I was forced to be strong. I was, I, I was thrown into situations where it's like you either make it or you break it. And it's like, if you break, then you go one way. But if you just stick, stick through it, then you go another way. And I just always stuck through, no matter what was thrown at me, I've always just stuck through it and followed through and done my best at it. That I was really so that, well you. said. That's incredible. I was just about to say that. That was, oh my gosh, I got chills. Allie, that was, because when you said earlier, when, you know, when you first started answering Ben's question said, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, how I I'm don't. strong. Like, I could not tell you how that that's probably the most relatable thing in the world that you know any person can you know finally just say because there's so many people who have their reasons like oh, i'm strong because of i'm strong because of when in reality most of the time you know we don't know why like i, I don't I, you know, nobody can really explain why they were able to be strong in a certain situation from you know people like you facing situations that, that you're in to people on their deathbed and, you know, in all the different, you know, turmoil and craziness that is this world, nobody can really explain, you know, where their strength comes from. But you said it so well, you, you either choose to be strong or you just kind of sit there and succumb to whatever the results are in the situation. You make, like, the world is not going to stop just because you stop. Like, I, I don't know. I just, I, that, I, I, that's just how I feel. Like, I, it's either I go one way and I, I drowned, or I go another way, and I may drown, but I'm strong. I, 
I work through it. And if I have to ask people, I'm really bad at asking for help. I will say that. But I'll ask everyone for help that I know is going to accept it. So, like, when I moved out of my adopted parents, they don't they didn't pay for shit. Okay, they didn't. I don't I don't ask them for help unless I am in dire need of emotional help, and that's about it. Um, I. I shouldn't have moved out when I was 18, but I think I don't regret it either. The only thing I regret is not being able to save money, but I, whatever. You know, money comes and goes. I have three jobs now. I'm okay. Um, so let's see. I got adopted when I was 14, went through high school, got my driver's license. Um, my adopted dad taught me how to, how to drive. I, I learned on a stick. So that's cool. Nice. Oh, learned on license. stick. Wow. Yeah, I learned on stick. It was a slug bug. That's awesome. Okay. So, okay, so you're the reason I was getting punched everywhere. I never <laughs> caught those things. I was n- never the first person to see the slug bug. I would always get punched. Sorry. Brought back, you know, no, you know flashbacks. That's my bad. Funny. No, you're okay. So then, um, let's see. I had my permit. I got my first car for Christmas, which was cool. It was a Chevy Cavalier, uh, 1999 or 2000. I don't know. One of those two. But it was nice. like two-door, you know, Chevy Cavalier. Um, I drove to school, um, like, my senior year. That's about it because I was too afraid to get my license anytime sooner. And then, whatever, graduated senior year, um, went to beauty school because my mom was a cosmetologist, and I didn't know really what I wanted to do. I knew I loved doing hair and makeup. I would wake up every single morning. My sister was like, she did track and she would have to wake up at like 4.30 and my mom used to do her hair but my mom was like, I'm not waking up and going to the school to do your hair and makeup. Your sister can do it. So I did. Um, and so, sorry about that, my boyfriend. Uh, um, so then I I just I was like I'll do it like I'll go to the school and, and take care of Isabel because she, she didn't never she could never do her hair and makeup like on her own from I think from freshman year to senior year she's be- like she was a very smart girl or whatever but she just liked the way that my mom did her hair and makeup well I learned from my mom so I was able to do exactly what she did and that's what got me into doing hair and makeup so then I moved out um, well I graduated beauty school moved moved out. Well, actually, I was in beauty school when I moved out. Um, got an apartment with one of the girls that I went to school with. Um, that's when I got introduced to, like, you know, going to the hookah bars and, hang, like, you know, going to the, the 18 and up clubs and, you know, partying, I guess, getting introduced to partying. So then, like, years go by. I'm living on my own. During this time, like, I was so confused on, like, who I was and where I was going and what I wanted to do with my life. And I graduated beauty school, so it wasn't any of that. I also lived with my grandma for, uh, for a while, like, after the, my apartment. And so that was cool. My grandma passed away in 2017 um, from lymph node cancer in her armpit. Um, like I said, I, I despise my grandma, but we've had our ups and downs. And I know she would be very proud of me to this day. Um, she would be so proud of me. She's always told me, you're so beautiful. You would be a model. And I think the influencer is as close as I'm going to get to being a model. And I feel like she would be more than proud. And so I kind of live every day. like I know I'm everywhere, but I kind of live every day like thinking, would my grandma be proud of me? Like, of course, I want my biolog- or my adopted parents to be proud of me or whatever. But my main, my main care is, is my papa going to be proud of me? And then mainly, is my grandma Christy going to be proud of me? Because my grandma Christy, she's, she was a bitch, to say the least. Like, she was a fucking bitch, man. But, I mean, if you're an old grandma taking care of four kids, like, traveling and trying to give the best life to them, I'd be a fucking bitch, too. Walk around. Know? Huh? It's a lot. It's a lot, yeah, it's a lot going on. So, I don't know, whatever. Um, I know why she was the way she was now that I'm 27 years old and I regret treating her the way that I treated her. I wasn't, like, I wasn't, like, terrible or anything. We just didn't get along. Like, we butt heads. Um, I don't know. 
And so, whatever. Moved out, graduated beauty school, didn't want to go to beauty school, started partying, like, in the 18 and up clubs, and then, like, of course, you know, did a little bit of underage drinking. Um, like, who doesn't? Um, and then I met my friends, like, these these friends like Kara and like Trayvon and I was like a cheerleader with them at Scottsdale Community College that was cool um moved out of my apartment that's when I moved with my grandma and then my grandma um like I didn't I when I was living with my grandma I was never really home and I was out partying all the time and then I met my boyfriend so I met my boyfriend when I was 20 years old March of 2015 um moved out of my grandma's moved in with him within like three weeks of meeting him um still didn't know what the hell i was doing stopped going to school whatever party 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 raver 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 and then um him and i we moved into the house that we're in now june of 2015 and i just turned 21 and then partied partied you know just partied a lot until i was like 25 I stopped partying well during the time I was partying I decided to go to school for uh, computer networking so I took like a plus like a plus classes to learn how to build the PC um, but during so during that from 21 to let's see 21 22 So 21 to 24 is when I like was partying and everything. No wait, oh my god, it's almost been four years. So okay, so 23, 21 to 23, I was really partying bad, and then I started going to school, and then um, my boyfriend showed me like what YouTube, like what he's always been big on the internet. Like he he's very he's been on the internet since he's been 13, you know. So he introduced me to the internet. And he showed me, like, what, of course I knew what YouTube was, but I was never big. I never really sat at a computer and really did any of that. Um, so then, like, he showed me what YouTube was. He was like, why don't we make montages of people gaming and stuff? And I was like, okay, like, that'd be cool. So then he, like, showed me what Twitch was. And then I took it upon myself, and I was like, well, this is cool. Like, I, so I explored Twitch. I looked. At, it used to be called IRL. It used to be like an IRL page instead of just, just chatting. And there was like female streamers on there, and they were playing like all these kinds of games and like just talking to the chat. And I was like, I could do this. So I like talked to him about it. He's like, you can for sure do this. I was like, I need to find like a hobby. Like all I do is party and like I go to school for computers. So like why don't I do this? And then he was like, that sounds like a good idea. So he got me um, a Kinect, like, that hooks up to the U the Xbox, you mm -hmm. know? So mm -hmm. then I was able to record myself. And then, like, I had, like, a little laptop that he let me borrow. Um, and then I just played, like, zombies and stuff on the Xbox. And then, like, within a month, I had my first donator donate, like, 600 bucks for me. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Yeah. I know. What an so, entry to streaming. Right. right. And so, <laughs> and I had a lot of people. And so... Um, I got a computer, like, which he helped me pick out, and, like, we searched everywhere for monitors and all of this stuff, and he made sure I had the best specs for the games that I wanted to play, because I didn't really know computers then, until, like, I completed all my classes and everything, so now I can build my own computer. Now I can, like, you know, fix things, like, if I need help, he'll help me, but I always try and fix them first or do research. I always Google everything now, because, like, I can't always ask him for help. And I've learned that throughout the years. Like, I can't rely on somebody. That just came with experience. You know, like, got to chill out on the codependency issues. And so um, he taught me all of that. Like, helped me out with that. I started streaming on my computer. And then, like, Fortnite started getting big. Well, then I got asked to go on to this dating show. Well, I, of course, I was in a relationship. But I was, I, I spoke, like, hypothetically on this dating show. It was called the Raj Patel Show. So I got big off of there, like huge. Like that's where I come from. Like if people know me, they know me from the Raj Show. The Raj Show. So then I grew from the Raj Show and started going on my own podcast, started gaming. I was able to do upgrades. Um, it took me almost four years in October to have my three monitor set up with my 2080 graphics card and to have the following that I do now to I started I started 
TikTok in 2018, well, end of 2017-18. And I grew from there because I was able to hop on the trends before everyone else was able to because I was on the internet and not everyone, like, that's when the internet started getting big and, like, online streaming started getting big and selfies started getting even bigger. Like, I mean, I was all for Snapchat and everything, but it didn't... I didn't know what the internet was until I had my own computer and I was able to go on all of this stuff. Wow. What a segue, because I was going to kind of transition into your streaming career and kind of got into it, but that was amazing. Same. Yeah, I was about to ask. And that's, you know, and for those of you who are listening right now who have not already looked up Sabotage Sweetie, uh, some of the clips that I, I was able to see after finding out that she was a Twitch streamer, um, yeah, no, she she's not bad at any of the games she's playing. She's, she's actually fairly very good. Uh, a, a level of impressiveness that I was just watching and just... Because, I, I well, first and foremost, I want to put out there, I don't play first-person shooters for the life of me because I know that I'm not skilled enough to do it. Um, if you've never shot yourself in Halo... Uh, I could tell you a story about how you could do it. I couldn't redo it for you, but I've done it. That's when I found out I wasn't built for them. But I know uh, good content when I see it, and my goodness, if you get a chance, uh, go check it out. Uh, you've meant, you just did mention that you were able to uh, cash in on some of the big trends uh, before everyone else on like TikTok. We actually talked about that not too long ago, how... Um, you know, there's a lot that goes into, you know, those algorithms and everything. But if you don't hop into like some of those uh, trending situations or have some kind of following prior to it, you can kind of get niched. Um, where do you think you fit in in the TikTok algorithm? Just as a different kind of question. So for the TikTok algorithm, um, I started in it was 2017 is when I started TikTok and uh, it wasn't really, it came from Musical.ly, it just transitioned from Musical.ly to TikTok, and I made a couple Musical.ly videos, but nothing really popped off, and I was bartending at Tilted Kilt when I started a TikTok, so like, I was able to put my Tilted Kilt outfit on there and do the dancing videos, and I went viral because of a Millie Rock um, video that I did. The I, Millie Rock? Hell yeah. Yeah, and let me Oh, yes. I am the whitest, <laughs> I am the whitest girl you will ever see do a Millie Rock. I've definitely <laughs> gotten better over the years, but um, people were commenting, like, you can scroll all the way down and go check it out, but, like, they were like, uh, the whites don't claim you, the blacks don't claim you, and the Mexicans do not claim you. So we don't know who you belong to, but that is embarrassing what you just did. Hey, but I went viral, so I don't really care. It looks like I was swatting flies out of the air. I don't, I don't know. Oh, my God. It was bad. It was very bad. But, um... As time got, went on, I got better and better. Like, a lot of my videos have popped up. My gaming ones have popped off. My dancing ones have popped off. I have a few TikToks with my boyfriend playing Fortnite in the back. Um, that pops off. I kind of surround myself um, with beauty, gaming, and dancing on, in, on t uh, TikTok. That's awesome. You know, it's just a, a different platform that people are able to, you know, just put themselves out there and, you know, put out awesome content. That's actually hilarious that the I first know. thing that, like, blew up for you was just a, a you know, a, a really bad Millie Rock. <laughs> I know, it's terrible. It's embarrassing. I think it's awesome. No, it's hilarious. It's that's That's all the internet is for. The internet isn't for, you know, the majority of the internet isn't even used for serious things. The Most of the internet is just used for the world to show you what's going on in that section of the world because otherwise this place is way too big for us to travel and meet everyone at the same time so we get to see the funny the weird the smart the impressive all in one spot with tiktok facebook all of it can it be draining sometimes is it something we should spend like all of our time on no, no does it make the world not. like a smaller place and more accessible to us all. And that's a good thing. Yeah, I think so. 
Yeah, we're supposed to have fun. It's really hard when you are going through your own personal things in life and you have mm -hmm. this online presence that you're supposed to keep up with because people are people support you and they want to make sure that you're doing okay but when you're going through your own stuff and you don't have the energy or the motivation or even the confidence to post um, it's really hard and people will forget about you and they will start unfollowing you and just watching those numbers go down alone are very daunting um, I try not to let it get to me because I know that the people that truly love me for me are gonna stay um, it's more of like damn like just give me a break for a second um, but I don't know, I'm very blessed with what I was given and I I still don't understand why people follow me. Um, I still don't understand why people care and support me the way that they do. But I think that's just something that I have to figure out, like I have to accept on my own. Um, and I think it just stems from like a lot of things that I've dealt with in my past, and, you know, of wanting to be accepted. I don't know. Like, oh, it's yeah. pretty cool, though. Like, I I never thought that I would have this much support and this much love. And it's nice that when I don't feel like I have – when I when I feel like I don't have anybody IRL, I always, always will have someone online to turn to. And that's another thing. Like, being online, um, like, that, my, my boyfriend, like, him and I have had our own issues. And instead of me – voicing them all to him he told me to go on the internet and voice it to random people who are unbiased and don't have an opinion and that's helped me a lot to being able to sh talk to people online who don't know the both of us and to get their side on it that's interesting and that's pretty cool to have people like that that you've never met in person but you have this relationship that you've built with or built over the past three and a half four Four years that I've been streaming. Yeah, You've built your own kind of small community. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I have people come up to me at work, so I, I work at Costly. You know, recently I've had I have met lots of streamers that come in, or streamers that live in Arizona that knew I worked there and that's come in. I've had streamers from New York come and visit me. I've had people from Texas come and visit me. Um, but this one specific girl, she posted a picture in my Discord. But she comes up and, like, I mean, I saw her and her, I don't know if it's her boyfriend or what, come up, like, walk into the bar. And I smiled at them thinking, you know, maybe they want a drink. I try to bait people into coming up. But then, no, they just stood there. And then, like, she took a double take. She's like, wait, are you a Twitch streamer? And I was like, yeah. She's like, are you Sabotage Sweetie? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. She's like, oh, my God, can I get a photo with you? And I was like, of course. So, like. It's such a surreal feeling when somebody, she was here visiting, she had no idea I worked there, you know, she was visiting the boy that she was with, and it was cool that she just was able to run into me, and that feeling right there is like, I'm doing this all for a reason and a purpose, and I've always been a people pleaser, and I feel like that's like one of my main struggles, and that's why I keep, I will never like just drop being online, because there's people that I've helped online that I've been there for and like they count on me and I that's a good feeling but it is definitely draining at times because sometimes I need people to count on me and that's where you feel lonely is because you're constantly giving and giving and giving whether it's IRL to the people around you or online and that's when it gets that's when it gets rough is when you feel like you're just giving 80% you're only getting 20 whether it's online or with people in your real life yeah, I'm hard. sure it's daunt especially when you have that kind of following you've built that community it's daunting at times when they're relying on you but in my opinion it's one of the coolest parts of the internet is that people are oh, able yes. to connect and like you said relate to each other and, and lean on each other people that they haven't even met in person but they've found their um, kind of community through you know, Twitch or TikTok or any kind of social media. I think that's an incredible. And I think it's a part of the internet that really isn't talked about as much. And to be honest, Kenny, we haven't talked about it much on this podcast. No. We get pretty negative about the internet um, a lot of the times and, and the negative discourse that happens um, constantly. Uh, you know, we're using the internet in order to, to put on this show. 
Um, but we were pretty negative about the negative aspects of the internet. There's a lot of negativity it, online. Oh, there's um, a ton. It's just you have to really think about. So for me, my community is I want people to feel welcomed regardless of what you could be. I have a lot of special needs people in my channel. I have a lot of people who don't know how to interact with females in my channel. I know I have a lot of people that don't like talking. They won't, I, have, I have this person in my channel. I won't say his name. He's been a part of my community for the full three and a half years. And let me tell you, I've heard his voice one time, but he will always join a channel, always talk to me, wow. always not talk to me, but he'll message me, you know, if he has something to say. And he's the best and he has his own issues and you have to accept everyone for who they are. And I think, yeah, it's, it's bad sometimes me be, being so accepting because I meet some weird fuckers and the weird fuckers are the ones that really get to me. Mm -hmm. But then you meet the people that are just want, just want to be wanted and feel loved. And I think that's where I'm my, one of my weakest points is, is like, I'm constantly wanting to feel accepted and reassured and loved. And a lot of people, they want that too. And I feel like that's what my community has, has given them. Wow. Yeah, it's awesome to build, you know, and people, people have kind of taken this phrase and made it to be a bad thing, but you know, it's, it's not bad to have a safe space, you know, mm -hmm. to have those places where you can speak openly, create openly, feel openly, and not have to be concerned of, you know, high levels of judgment where you already face judgment just by walking outside. If, you know, if you're wearing, if you're wearing any kind of clothes, somebody's going to judge you no matter what. If you have oh. a certain look on your face, if you're a certain height or weight, like you can't go anywhere without being judged, but there are those pockets just like your community, just like um, one of the uh, streamers that we actually interviewed before, and we talked about this at the bar, um, Coco Pelli Kisses. Mm -hmm. uh, she has a similar type of environment where it's, and then, you know, just the different areas of the internet and of the world that actually provide those safe spaces. You're right, Ben. We've never talked really about the positive nature of the internet, how, you know, an unbiased person can give you a new perspective on a situation because just like Ali said, they don't know either of the people that are in this, in the situation with all their information or how just an open ear can relax you after a tough day. And it might not even be an ear. It's just someone who you're typing to because they don't, you know, really want to do a voice chat or one thing or the other. That's, that's really powerful. We've, no. It's nice because I'm a very random person. So I got voted most random in high school. Can I tell you why I got most, most random? No idea <laughs> in my right mind why I got voted most random in high school. Did what a superlative. Yeah. What does that mean? That That's what that is. Uh, most most random, yeah. most likely to. The awards for oh, the seniors. Oh, yeah. So I had yeah. no idea. You know, I didn't even know I was nominated. I didn't even know people knew who I was. And I got nominated. Been there. And and I just, I can't, um, I am very random and I do talk about a lot of things that just come to my mind and I blurt out a lot of things and I, I just, I don't know, I, I mean, I try to back off. I, so for a period of time, I got sick and tired of people telling me like, that doesn't matter. Why are you talking about that? Um, why did you bring that up? Or, um, that has nothing to do with it or you're rambling or, you know, you need to calm down or you need to quiet your voice. You're talking too loud. Like that right there, um, that made me like, fuck you. Like, don't fuck fucking tell people. me what to, how to live my life. Mm. Like, I'm going to be who I want to be. And if you can't accept me for who I am, then that's on you. And I think that it took me a while to realize that. Like, I, I, was, I was like that. And then I stopped for a period of time. But then I felt like I was trapped and I was locked, like locked down and like being reserved. And then I said, fuck that. I'm sick of feeling like that. So I started being who I wanted to be again. And people love me. like, And they love that I'm loud and outgoing and I'm the life of the party. Yeah, at times it's probably not appropriate, but I still do it. And I think that's another thing that's kept me strong and on the right, like straight and narrow. Yeah, accepting yourself. Yeah, I'm, I'm you random are. and I'm crazy, but 
I'd rather be that random crazy fun person that you're with than the downer, the depressed, the complainer, you know? Or even worse, trying to put a mask on to make everyone else feel or comfortable with who you yeah, are. Like, like I don't wanna... I'm not okay with that. It's, it's better to just be who you are and then let the people who can ex- who are just able to receive that energy be around yeah. you and the negative people who are going to try and change you get those people out that's that i get there's i get there's people in the world that are very um reserved and i'm not i'm very in an open book i'll talk to anybody and everybody about what the fuck i want to talk about you know and there's just some people that don't they don't like that and i mean yeah i will have to have respect for them but it's like then i'm just not going to surround myself with people like that yeah, you choose the, the, the group that you're around. And the, we've talked about that a lot, surrounding yourself with people that uplift you and, you know, as much share. Make you a better person. Yeah, you, you are who you hang out with. Um, yes, exactly, and I preach that. Like, you are who you surround yourself with. And if you surround yourself with, like, that's why I feel like I've always surrounded myself with very intelligent people. Because I don't want to surround, like, when I was partying and everything, like, I was who, I was that party girl, you know, crazy, let's go fucking a porter potty type of bitch. <laughs> now, like, I like to get down and crazy, but I want to do it more privately, you know, or I want to do it in more mature ways. So it's like, I don't know, I've definitely matured. And that's helped a lot of my randomness, I guess. No, and... I'm going to be real, Allie. Your randomness has given us, you know, the perfect opportunity to, you know, introduce you to our listeners, to hear your story in full, and to really, you know, you know give us the opportunity to hear more about you. You know, this is the whole reason why, you know, even in the couple of seconds that, you know, we were able to just talk and, you know, I, 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 and re- it was, it wasn't even an option. I wanted to have you on the show for this exact reason. And you've given us so much information, so much wisdom, uh, you know, great stories of strength that, you know, I can't speak for both of us, but I'm pretty sure Ben can agree. This is, this is going to be one of those interviews that we're going to remember for a long time to come. This is, this has been awesome. Yeah, it's been great to be a part of, and it's, um, yeah, I'm honored, and uh, no, this has been incredible. Thank you so much, you guys, so much for having me. You guys are outstanding, and for letting me vent. Um, I'm down to come on to another podcast. Hell yeah. We can can talk about, like, more gaming things, and um, when I, we could do it, like, when I'm actually streaming, too, so we could, I could set up, like, a Zoom call, so that I could put it on to my YouTube. That'd be awesome. Oh, we are these. Oh, we are these guys now. Stream? Are we? We are these guys now. Video game streamers? Oh, I'm in. No, but we is that what we're doing? Just, no, we could put it in the just chatting section, and so that we have a video of it, and so that like that's just more reach for you guys, if that makes sense. Yeah. But we could talk about that off. Oh, I'm a hundred. Oh yeah. Down. Oh no, I, I was saying that we actually hop in and like game with you. Like we find a game that we can all. I, I will even embarrass myself. And play COD if that's the case, just so you guys know to wear your backpacks because you're carrying me to these yeah, dubs. Yeah, we can also do like a gaming one where like um, we do a one v one, and then whoever dies first has to answer like an embarrassing question or something yes. like that. Yes. Oh, what a fun! Yes, Allie, that's a great idea. We we should definitely we're we're, put, we're putting that one in the books. Yeah, we could definitely do that. All right, Ben. You have any Thank more questions? Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Ellie, do you have anything else that you? Ali? Um, I do not. I hope I gave like a whole rundown of my life. I talk so much. No, it was it was <laughs> incredible. And so my um, I, I, I should have said this earlier, but so my dad and his sister um are actually adopted. Um, oh, how beautiful. Yeah, and so uh, when Kenny mentioned that, uh, when he was talking about having you on, I was like, definitely, I want to hear, um, because like I said, you know, it's been a part of my life and I, I wouldn't be here with, without, um, um, about my dad being adopted by my dad and his sister, um, being adopted by my, you know, adopted grandparents. So, um, this has been incredible, um, especially to me because of that. So I just want to say thank you again. No, thank you for letting me share my heart. 
Yeah, no, you're that giving me right. great insight. I even told, I even told Kenneth, I was like, yeah, I have no problem. I've come to closure with it, but there's like parts of the story that I guess I haven't come to closure with. So like speaking, like actually saying those words coming out of my mouth, like that's tight. That's pretty tough. Yeah, it's definitely different, you know, thinking it and having experienced it, and then, you know, sharing it with others, where you kind of have to relive it in order to tell somebody else about it. But we really do appreciate it. We thank you for your strength and the time that you took to, you know, go over it with us. And we definitely look forward to, you know, doing more content with you, like moving forward in the future. It would be a great honor and a pleasure. Uh, You know, how we usually end these shows because we didn't have the information before. We always let our group and our listeners know we weren't these guys before. We are now. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you so much.